episode 864. The Green Bay Packers mustered 87 yards passing in Brett Hundley's first career start. We break down the loss with Peter Sill of the Packer Force podcast. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Carvu, and today we're reviewing the Packers-Saints game. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Peter Sill of the Packer Force Podcast. Peter, how you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing all right. It's pretty early out here in Denver. The sun is rising on a new day, and it's kind of cloudy. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you for joining us today. Peter, we had your brother Elliot on the show on our last episode previewing the Packers-Saints game. We're happy to have you on the show uh, for those who may not have heard last time, can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and where people can find it? Yeah, sure. The the Packer Force podcast uh, came together uh, with the Packer Force, me and my brothers, and also uh, my dad. Um, we're we're just a team. It's kind of a meta thing, a team within a team. You know, we're a, a team of Packer fans with uh, really special abilities. We're kind of superstitious people, but. Um, yeah, we just get together, you know, once or twice a week, whenever whenever we really have time in our busy schedules, and and talk Packer football, you know, uh, just be brothers and burp and fart and, and joke, uh, and just you know, just have a good time. It's it's a Packers podcast by brothers for brothers. That sounds good. I, I told Elliot the same thing. I think a lot of people can relate to that, the family connection and the bond you guys have over the Green Bay Packers. I think that's cool. Um, we have Absolutely. a lot. We got a lot to get to uh, to review this Packers-Saints game. And, Peter, first of all, did, let me ask this. Did, did you expect coming into the game the Packers could be in a position where they could actually win it in the fourth quarter? The, they were up at one point in the fourth quarter. Yes, yeah, they were. You know, actually, uh, the overall end result, um, I, I did predict that the Packers would lose twenty-seven to sixteen. So it went a little bit about as as I expected. Uh, you know, the, it's a team that still doesn't really have it uh, all the way together on defense. Uh, and you know, I expected Mike McCarthy and us, this Packer team, to go out there and fight. And I also expected it to to be a struggle too. Um, you know, I didn't expect this to be up a, a touchdown going into halftime. You know, it kind of felt almost like we were like like how the Bengals or the Cowboys might have felt, you know, earlier this season where you're up on a good team and you're like, oh, you know, we, we got a chance to do this. And, you know, the, the Saints fans were probably, you know, like, oh, come on, Drew. Drew, put it together. Just put these put these guys out. Uh, but, you know, we, we did have a shot to, to win and it slipped through our fingers. I, I didn't expect this to be up and – uh I, I was I was really hopeful with the game as as bad as some of the end result might have been. It was I thought it was a fun game to watch, and I thought it was a it gave you hope going forward. 
It was. It was a fun game to watch. At least the Packers gave us that for those three hours. You were entertained no matter how you felt afterwards. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Peter, what, what what was your opinion on the play calling, whether or not it was too conservative and whether they put Hundley in a position to succeed? Well, you know, if you ask me, I think Mike McCarthy should have called uh, – way more touchdown passes. I think if you would have called maybe <laughs> four more four more at least, that's twenty eight points, you know, and then you then you got the win. You know, I'm I'm really not one to jump all over play calling. Those are those are good plays out there that just that just really need to be uh executed. You know, was it conservative? Yeah, it was probably conservative. But it you know, it was a plan for, for Brett Hundley, you know, coming in as a his first real career start in the NFL. You know, it was a they were going to let him use his legs. They probably weren't going to give him a huge menu on uh on the passing side. Um you know, it was it, it was just intended to kind of get him in a in a rhythm and and Mike McCarthy himself. I'm not one to jump on play calling, but you know, Mike McCarthy himself jumped all over himself after the game. I think that really speaks to how good of a coach he really is. You know, he's not blaming the system. He's not blaming uh, the quarterback, he's you know he he understands that he made some mistakes and that he's he's got some stuff to do. You know, this this is a new team than we had two weeks ago, a completely new team, and it, it's going to take a while to really to really get into it. This whole thing is a, is a learning experience, I, I think. Um, you know, for a team that's been one way for a long time, you know, it's 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 going to take some working out on on office and office and, you know, really trying to understand uh, the player, not, you know, a player is not just a set of attributes. It's a, it's a whole, you know, football soul running around out there that, that Mike McCarthy needs, wants to understand. If there's anyone that understands that it's, it's Mike McCarthy that, you know, uh, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot to put together and uh, you know, it's, I think it'll get better. I think it'll get a lot better. The, the play calling will get better. It'll, you know, understand Brett a little bit more and, and how to get him in a, in a rhythm. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, that's definitely the topic conversation the day after the game is about the play calling and whether or not it was too conservative. Uh, but, Peter, how, how, do you, how do you just feel about Brett Hundley going forward and whether he can put the Packers in a position to earn a spot in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I totally think that he can. I'm I'm at this point... I'm tempering my expectations a little bit, you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers watching this team with Aaron Rodgers, you expect to get to the playoffs and you expect to win. Uh, with Brett Hundley, it's not quite the same. You're watching really a fresh young quarterback trying trying to prove himself in this, this league, really. Uh, you know, so I'm just excited to watch this this development. You know, this is uh, you know for me, Brett Brett Hundley has to find himself. You know, he's really going out there right now. And as much as he's probably trying not to, he's just doing his best impression of Aaron Rodgers, it kind of seems. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the two in their games. You know, they both have incredible feet. I think they're both really smart. Uh, I think they both, you know, have have good arm talent. But Brett Hundley is a different player. You know, he plays with a different chip on his shoulder. He plays with, you know, with a different uh motivation and he's you know 
he's got to be a different leader and he's got to, you know, find himself in that. So really, I mean, this, this Packers season, I think for me comes down to whether Brett, Brett Hundley can really find, you know, himself as a player. And, you know, that doesn't always happen over the course of, of one year, you know, people like Derek Carr, you know, take a couple of years, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers sat down, you know, his first season didn't, uh, really blow anybody's hair back I mean he showed really what he could be but you know he wasn't making the playoffs in his first year um so you know there's a reason that Brett Hundley is uh you know as a backup but I think he's a good backup and I'm excited to watch this team going forward Brian yeah um I am encouraged um I'm trying to temper my expectations too and not compare him too much to Aaron Rodgers uh, but I think he can hopefully just keep the team afloat while Aaron Rodgers is out. Um, Peter, is the debate officially over whether Aaron Jones should be mm-hmm. the starting running back? I, I think we've been debating that for two weeks, but but did this put it to rest? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, Aaron Jones is obviously a really talented young guy. Um, you know, I, I hope the debate isn't completely over. And completely said it. I hope that the debate really keeps going because if Aaron Aaron Jones keeps, for me, then Aaron Jones keeps you know getting better and showing his talent. But I, you know, Ty Montgomery, I think is too talented to just you know ride the bench. I think he's got uh, too many too many tools to to really add to this offense. I think you know where he catches the ball and where he can do most damage. Right now is where Brett Hundley is kind of most comfortable. And so I think he can be a weapon for this offense going forward. He's, he's still not running as hard as he was, you know, Ty isn't running as hard as he was, uh, you know, earlier in the season um, or in the preseason when he was really, you know, he seemed to be really busting through the line and um, doing some damage. He's, you know, he doesn't seem to have that ability right now still with, with his ribs. Um, so it, I don't know. I think there. I really hope that there's a place for him. I don't know uh, whether that's you know back in the receiver rotation or some hybrid role for him. I think you know a guy like Ty Montgomery. That's kind of the future of of the running back a, a little bit, in my opinion. You know, a guy that can really do it all. A bigger guy uh, that can that can catch and and can run with uh, with great ability. So I hope that there's still a place for him. We're talking to Peter Sill of the Packer Force podcast here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Peter, uh, how nice was it for the Packers to have their starting tackles back out on the field protecting Brett Hundley? It was it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. It was really. I mean, you really saw it. Uh, you know, the damage that we did in the run game was was really evident of how nice it is having those those sure. tackles back. Um. Yeah, and then in the in the passing game, I think it can still the the protection can still improve a little bit. But you know, just watching uh, Bakhtiari kick around when I can't remember who it was trying to get him get around him and uh, you know get around to uh, behind Brett Hundley, but watching Bakhtiari just kick with him so quickly and so uh, athletically and strong, uh, it, it was so beautiful. It was so much better than watching you know Kyle Murphy or or Lane Taylor do their best impression of a left tackle. You know, it was really, really sweet to see that true left tackle out there. Um, so, yeah, I think it, this is definitely one of those units that's just going to be helped by the bye week. 
that's just going to get better, you know, with with the bite week and is, is going to be more healthy in two weeks, and you're going to see that improve too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move to the defensive side of the football. Uh, were you surprised by the plays made by Demarius Randall and Devon House uh, in picking off a pretty darn good quarterback in Drew Brees? Oh, yeah. Drew Brees, you know, pretty darn good. He's a, he's a great, great quarterback. I was I was actually really, yeah, surprised. I'm, I'm surprised not so much by the interception, but I'm surprised by, you know, Demarius Randall leading the team with three interceptions. You know when you know his. I mean his play's probably been more suspect than than anyone else. I was I was surprised to see just the guys get turned around on the ball finally. Turn around and look for the ball. I feel like every time the ball's up in the air, I, I feel like I'm screaming, "Just look at the ball! There it is, right there!" You know. But they finally got turned around and and uh, you know did some damage. Um, it's so it, Devon House. He was a free agent acquisition, so it's you know it's that's what you bring him in for. You know, I kind of expect him to do that. I was I was happy. I was happy that, uh, yeah, that that we got those. You know, I I wasn't so much. I did feel something. I didn't feel surprised that Drew Brees threw those picks. I felt a little bit offended because it really felt like they came in and just didn't want to respect us one bit you know they were throwing right down our trying to throw it right down our throats going for it on fourth down and uh you know it felt like they came out and they just weren't going to respect their defense at all and we made them pay but you know in the end they they kind of just ran their game plan all over us and there wasn't much we could do about it so it was a, it was a surprise but it was a, it was a nice surprise i suppose from the good to the bad, uh, Peter, what's wrong with Ha Ha Clinton Dix this season? Coming off a year in which he was named to the Pro Bowl, you know, I I think he's probably dating Olivia Munn. That's probably <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I that's ridiculous. Uh, I uh, I I don't know. It's you know either you know my brother Elliot told me this morning. You know, kind of either. He, you know, either he's slumping or maybe it, it wasn't there. There was kind of, there might have been a thin selection last year at safety for the Pro Bowl. You know, there weren't a, a whole lot of other dominating, you know, uh, candidates. And I, that's not to take away from HaHa's play. I thought he played, I thought he played great. Um, but you know, this year I think we're all expect. I expected more from him. You know, I did have raised expectations for uh, Clinton Dix. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's the personnel, whether it's, you know, finding his new place in the nitro package. Cause I mean, since the implementation of that, he doesn't seem to have been playing, uh, quite as well. Uh, you know, he doesn't have his running mate with Morgan, Morgan Burnett's not out there. And I think the, the rest of the personnel, I don't, it, it seems like we're a little bit thin at the rest of the personnel. So maybe he's being asked to do a little bit too much. Uh, but also, you know, his, his technique looks kind of sloppy too it doesn't look like he's uh you know fundamentally sound or or his instincts aren't quite as tight he's always chasing he's always behind he's just a little bit off the ball and that's not something that uh that quite frankly we can afford from our safety from our safety play right now so i don't know uh exactly what it is whether it's you know his new role in the personnel the other personnel around him or whether you know uh, there's something 
some reason that he's taking a dip. You know, he kind of plays like a wild man. He kind of plays with this reckless abandon. Uh, and, you know, it's about him. Maybe it's about him finding himself, too. That's that's what I love about this this team, you know, the kind of unique qualities of each player. But I, I don't know if, you know, if he's just out of sync, maybe with himself. He's trying to do too much. Or he's in his own head. I really, I really can't tell you. I wish I could. I wish I could fix it, Brian, but I can't. <laughs> Last question before we let you go: How can the Packers' pass rush be better? You know, the Saints threw for over 300 yards, and they came up with just one sack, which was nice by Nick Perry. But I think you want more. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know, it's hard to get back there on a guy like Drew Brees. You know, the ball's going to come out quick, and he's not going to. He's not going to let you get to him, really. Um, especially when they're dumping it off their running backs and getting huge chunk yards. Uh, you know, they they kind of had us off balance on defense all day, even when they were getting intercepted and when they were getting stopped, they were still, you know, striking at all levels. Uh, so, you know, for me, I think it comes with it's just with consistency. I think it starts, it really starts up front, you know, with, I think, Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark, this might be kind of weird to say, but they have to, you know, they have to be solid on their play. And if we can get a little bit of a push uh, from them, I'd like to see, you know, Kenny Clark get back in the backfield and toss some havoc on the quarterback. Mike Daniels looked unblockable at the beginning of the year and has, you know, has been a little bit slow to get up from his injury. And then, you know, that goes along with, you know, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. And Nick Perry's getting close. Clay Matthews getting close, but you know they just need to. They just need to get there. So the front, the front line needs to get there, and our and our outside linebackers need to get there. Uh, and that can open up so much more because we can, you know, we can get to the quarterback from just about any level. You know, our safeties can get there. Uh, our slot, you know, cornerbacks can get there. The middle linebackers can get there. Anyone can get there. But I think it really just comes from consistency uh, up front, you know, being consistent on the on the front line with the outside linebackers. Um, and a consistent play on defense, too, you know, not facing a guy like, like Drew Brees. I think, really, I think this bye week is going to be good for the defense to, you know, cheer up their injuries. I, I think the bye week comes at a, at a great time to get this team healthy and to get this team centered, you know because I think it's a team that badly needs it. Peter, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, check out the Packer Force podcast at, on Podbean, correct? Yeah, yeah, PackerForcePodcast.Podbean.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, you know, look for us uh, at Packer Force, or you can find us on Facebook as well. Sounds good. We'll check you out. I'll send our listeners there. Peter, thanks so much. Uh, great talking to you. It was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, it's been fun yeah. having you uh, sill boys on, uh, on the show. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right. Take care. Have a good Monday. All right. Peter Sill of the Packer Force Podcast joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. And as we usually do the day after a game, we go through our chips report, kind of my way of 
working our way through what was good, what was bad in this game. Obviously, the Packers lost to the New Orleans Saints, but your blue chip players, the best of the best, the guys who probably weren't to blame for the loss, Aaron Jones it was the number one player in my opinion. Uh, he had 17 carries for 131 yards. He has 7.7 yards per carry this game, along of 46 coming on the touchdown scamper in the first quarter. He also led the team with three receptions. Yeah, Aaron Jones led the team in receptions. They only went for seven yards. But, you know, I, I think the bigger point is here that as far as receiving goes, he, he showed he was a reliable outlet uh, player, uh, and you could trust him in grabbing the football. Not that he did anything special with it, and, and it was tough to ask for him to do anything special in the situations that he was throwing the ball to, uh, but he did look good out there, and uh, you could argue that the Packers maybe should have even have given the ball to him a little bit more, especially you know in that middle part of the game, uh, second quarter, third quarter there were kind of some points where he didn't kind of went long stretches there without touching the football and uh but regardless uh played well I I do think the debate is over as to who should be the starter and who should be getting the most carries on this team not to say there's not a role for Ty Montgomery on this team He's obviously the number two running back. I trust him out there more than Jamal Williams. Not that Jamal Williams couldn't get a carry or two a game, but I, I like Mon- Montgomery out there. I think he can kind of be a flex sort of player where he can kind of shift out of the backfield to a receiver position. I think you can get both uh, Jones and Montgomery on the field at the same time in that regard. And I think most of the time it's going to be, you know, with Montgomery either motioned out wide or starting out wide into kind of a slot receiver type of position. But but Aaron Jones definitely needs to be out there uh, the majority of the time and is, is doing a heck of a job with it. Your other blue chip player, defensive lineman Kenny Clark. Um, uh, the biggest play of the day was obviously the blocked kick that prevented the Saints from getting an extra point and you know at one point when the Packers were up 17 to 16 that was the sole reason they were up and it, it could have been the decisive you, you know play in the game had it not happened and, and you know block kicks just come so few and far between that they're really memorable when they do and and he got penetration and got his hand up and and it just goes to show how good of a player that Kenny Clark is. Um, he had five tackles on the day. He was quarter, credited with one quarterback hit, credited with two quarterback hurries by Pro Football Focus that I saw. And, and you know, another really good play that doesn't even probably go down on the stat sheet there was this play in, I forget even what quarter it was, uh, I believe the third quarter. Anyway, um, it was a, a play where it was a handoff to Mark Ingram and Kenny Clark got to the sideline and basically forced Ingram to the sideline, facing him to go laterally. Um, and it was just so remarkable for a person of Kenny Clark's size, who's over 300 pounds, 
to really put on the Jets as much as he could and forced Ingram to uh, a minimal gain. And I, I think it was Josh Jones who eventually, you know, like pushed him out of bounds as he was right along the sideline. But it was Kenny Clark who forced that, who forced him to the sideline, made him go around him, go the long way. Uh, that was just really remarkable and such a great play by Kenny Clark. So uh, really good job once again. I, I mean, really becoming arguably one of the best players on this team. Uh, would like to see him get a sack at some point, actually finish off uh, a sack. I don't think he has one on the season yet. Once he starts doing that, he did, doesn't have to get a ton of them. I realize he's a defensive tackle rushing from the interior that is hard to get to the quarterback. Uh, but if he can just finish off one or two, he's going to really, people are really going to start taking notice uh, nationally. I, th- I think people locally are, but nationally. Uh, your red chip players, the good, maybe not great. Blake Martinez, once again, one of them. Um, and it, he didn't make any splash plays this game, which, which prevents him from being that blue chip player. Um, but he was, uh, made a team high 15 tackles and actually added another on special teams. Uh, it was remarkable that he was even playing special teams. I believe, you know, when, when he's playing so much on defense, he was out there a ton of snaps, made a ton of tackles, had to be certainly tired. And, uh, you know, uh, Jake Ryan went out at one point, so he really could have kind of provided a solidifying presence out there. Um, and, and, you know, I think he made, it was like 10 of them by halftime even. He was just all over the place in the first half of this game, making tackles all over, lots of them, you know, what they, they'll call the stop, you know, short of the sticks or um you know, there there was a time or two where he got beat in coverage, and, and that's going to happen, but it wasn't egregious, um, and uh, I thought he made a lot of really nice tackles out there, uh, even, even on some of those, like he made one on, I believe it was Mark Ingram, just past the first down marker, but it was an open field tackle, and to even get over from where he was in the middle of the field to the sideline to make that tackle was really good. I think for for a middle, you know, for an inside linebacker, good job by Blake Martinez. Um, the other one, uh, Devon House. Uh, there was one play where he looked absolutely atrocious on a missed tackle uh, in which he didn't even, you know, really attempt to tackle. He just kind of got beat and gave up. That that looked bad. And, and Devon House, shame on you on, on that play. Um, but uh, that... That that's why he's not in the blue chip category here. But still, uh, if that's all uh, I have to argue with with Devon House, I suppose he did have one penalty there that was nullified. Uh, but but he more than made up for it with an interception. He couldn't have played any better. That play in which he intercepted Drew Brees, he got his head around so early. He, he was able to see that ball coming. You know, sometimes those guys, either they don't get a he- the head around at all or they get it around at the very last fraction of a second and still can't really, doesn't give them time to see it. Devon House, you know, saw it coming the whole way. He jumped to grab it and then really secured it with his hands. He knew that receiver was on him right there 
and had to put the clamps on that ball and hold it, and he did, uh, which was good. He also had a pass defended in the fourth quarter on a third down. Uh, that was huge. And, and by and large, he was good in run support. Other than that one missed tackle, he had six tackles on the day. Uh, bet, best game of the year by Devon House. And, and maybe it's the fact that he's finally getting over this this injury um, the, with the quadriceps. And, and maybe he gets better from here on out. Uh, that's what we hope here uh, with the bye week coming up. Your, your cow chip players, uh, the worst players on the field. Um, the, the worst one by far, Josh Jones, the rookie safety slash linebacker. Um, first of all, three penalties, all of them on special teams. One of which I agree. It was hard to blame him on the interference, uh, in that he kind of made that play in a, in a split second, but still had he known the rule that, that, uh, that you couldn't touch the player until the ball hits the ground, you, you know, that might've been a turnover for the Packers. Uh, so the, ha, had he just known that, you know, uh, that you're taking the ball away and the others were both on, on punt coverage. One was an illegal motion or a legal shift and the other was offsides. Um, in, inexcusable three penalties on special teams. Uh, but on defense as well, there was the first quarter drive by the Saints. I believe it was the one where Demarius Randall intercepted Breeze in the end zone. But the way they got down on the field, though, that the Saints got down the field, Jones was twice caught out of position with his back to the football. One time, it was because he had to pivot around, uh, but he showed he has a long way to go to become an effective linebacker in the NFL has to get around blocks, has to know where he should be on the field, has to know where his teammates are. Uh, I, one of them was a screen pass. Uh, it, it just, yeah, they, it was a rough day for Josh Jones. And and uh, he's talented, but he's got to learn the finer points and not make the mental errors out there uh, because he's a good tackler, um, uh, but he, he's got to be in a position to make tackles. Uh, the other cow chip player, haha, Clinton Dix, uh, which we already talked about with Peter Sill. Uh, you know that there was a moment early in the game where where uh, Clinton Dix made a nice tackle for a loss in the first quarter, and I thought to myself, maybe this is the game he breaks out or, or at least returns to form or at least doesn't play poorly. But nope, uh, it was all downhill from there. The most head-scratching play uh, was the was the one in which he leaped over the ball carrier and then pointed at him, which was bizarre in so many ways. I'm not sure if he was trying to avoid a penalty as the the, the receiver was kind of in the process of of making the catch or right, right after the catch going down to the ground. But I I don't know. I, I just think Clinton Dix should have, you know, broken down a little bit more instead of like jumping over him. Or, or I mean, all you got to do is sidestep him and graze, graze him with your hand. That's all it takes when the guy's already on the ground or, or heck let, let your, when you're jump over him, let your foot touch him. Uh, as it was, and, th- and then he's pointing at him. Had he not 
taken the time to point at him and just dove. Maybe he could have touched him while he was still on the ground. It was weird, but on so many levels um, that that I just don't know what was going on in Haha Clinton Dix's head. Uh, uh, then just a few plays later, he allow, allowed a ball to be completed in front of him where Bruce Breeze kind of threw it and, and the ball hung in the air for a, a considerable amount of time, uh, almost certainly enough for a good safety to make a play on the ball, if not crunch the receiver the moment he gets his hands on it. But Clinton Dix was so slow in reacting to that. Um, then there was the first half touchdown run by the Saints uh, on on a third down, in in which you can't blame Clinton Dix for converting what would have been a first down, but he took an awful angle and and Ingram beat him to the end zone. It, it didn't help. I, I admit that the Packers had ten men on the field that play, but I still think it was an awful angle, regardless by Clinton Dix. Um, and so yeah. Uh, that that those are your couchship players of the game. Uh, your honorable mention, I thought Justin McCray played really well. Uh, the left guard for the Green Bay Packers, he had a fantastic block on uh, which he pulled on on Aaron Jones' 46-yard touchdown run. He had the fumble recovery that prevented a turnover by Brett Hundley, um, and just he looks so leaps and bounds better and more comfortable as a guard than he did at tackle. Um, I, I thought he was really a, a poor tackle, but played well. I give him credit. Um, I didn't see much, if any pressure coming through his direction. Uh, I thought they made a few nice runs to the, the outside. I know he sealed on one in the first quarter. That was really nice as well. Good job by Justin McCoy. I've been very critical of him <laughs> this whole season, uh, but I, it's amazing. I've been critical of him uh, during the regular season when he's played tackle. I was very critical of him in the preseason when he played center. And it's almost not his fault. I think his most comfortable position all along is guard. And he finally got a chance to play guard and did well when he was there. Um, so as long as he doesn't have to play any other positions but guard, he might be all right. Um dishonorable mention goes to Brett Hundley and it's you know this is the debate of the day obviously how did Brett Hundley do I think there's a lot of people who think he didn't play well a lot of people blame it on the coaching and and I I kind of fall in between the two um there's a statistics being thrown out there Brett Hundley only completed one pass of more than 10 yards on the day and and I certainly think there were times where Brett Hundley, you know, uh, was hamstrung by the play calling. And, and there's lots of, you know, ways you can look at that. Um, but, uh, you, you know, certainly when you drop back more than 20 times in a game, um, it, you know, the, it's not as if there weren't opportunities for him to push the ball down the field. Um, he had the, the interception at the end that didn't look good. Um, you know, he made a few nice, uh, made one really nice completion, uh, the best of the day, I think to, um, Martellus Bennett, um, had, had a nice sideline throw to Jordy Nelson, uh, had, had a nice swing pass to Randall Cobb that was perfectly timed. Um, all good things, but you, you know, Brett Hundley just, 
you, you know, they're there. And, and, and really, I, I think he does a nice job, maybe even better than Aaron Rodgers in, in one small regard. And that was when he settled for the check down. Maybe you could argue he did it too much uh, or hung on to the ball too long before he got to the check down. I, I just think there's times where Aaron Rodgers and, and, and there's there's a trade off here. Aaron Rodgers sometimes avoids the check down because he wants to keep a play alive and he comes up with a big play by keeping the play alive, by running on his own. And and there is a trade off. I, I just wish, you know, sometimes I think Aaron Rodgers is responsible himself for a few too many sacks um, when he could dump it off to a running back and even a yard or two is better than zero is better than losing yards. I, it was nice to see Brett Hundley do that dump off a couple times. Maybe three was too much. Um, but, but anyway, I, I mean, question the play calling here. Uh, the, there was, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to draw your attention to one thing that I thought was the best analysis uh, I saw uh, after the game on the coaching decisions here. And it came from the Packers wire and writer Jack Wepfer, uh, who we've actually had as a guest on the show here. And I just want to read, uh, I, I think you'll find yourself agreeing with a lot of this, uh, the, the criticism, which I thought is the best criticism of the play calling and the coaching uh, yet that I've seen, uh, j- just bear with me here. And I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy actually hearing this, uh, Jack Wepfer for the Packers wire, part of the USA today network writes quote, first off the Packers have to, and this is imperative, figure out the screen game. It's been atrocious this far. And if they're going to soften defensive fronts, they need to find a way to make them for playing too aggressive. Second, they need to get receivers involved earlier in the downs. Slants, digs, hitches, anything that produces positive yards on a quick throw. One of Hundley's early weaknesses is his tendency to hold onto the football in the pocket. He's fine at abating the rush, but he misses throwing windows by waiting too long. McCarthy needs to help Hundley transition into a rhythm thrower. The Packers have the horses to stress most secondaries. They need to use them, end quote. I I thought that was a fantastic analysis. Uh, I've seen others. I I just saw Cheese at DV Zone, Jersey Al Bracco on on Twitter this morning, criticizing the two third and one calls in the first quarter um, that that were not good. Um, And and I agree those could have been better. and I'll criticize, and I'm certainly not the only one, uh, the choice of the Packers to attempt the 59-yard field goal uh, with the last player, I guess the penultimate play of the first half um, in which they had six seconds on the clock. I, I mean, there's a lot of things the Packers could have done there differently. Instead of trying a long field goal in wet weather, um, in which it was a little bit breezy, um, you know, maybe that wasn't the best choice. With six seconds left, I think they could have ran another play, a very, very quick play. Um, it, it was only third down, by the way, in which they they could have ran just a, a quick little side route, maybe get at least five yards closer. And if not, it's incomplete. And, and even if it fails and you run out of time or you get sacked, 
it, it was far from the end of the world. Um, but but they tried the long field goal. Heck, it even left one second on the clock in which uh, the the Saints got one more throw, and who the heck knows what happens. But I mean, that was that's a minor consideration. But uh, they could have went for a hail mary instead. Um, so yeah, I, I just uh, d- disagreed with that call. Not that you, you know they, they could have went for the field goal had they just been a little bit closer. I believe. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of things to, to, uh, disagree with there. Um, basically there's my analysis of, of the game and, and wrapping up the chips report. Uh, just finally here's some, some little bit of notes, things that we haven't talked about here. Um, the Packers made a roster move before the game and I believe it actually, uh, was official on Saturday basically taking Aaron Rodgers' roster spot uh, when he was placed on injured reserve. They kind of waited for a while to a uh, couple days to make it official, and I you know, think they wanted to figure out what was going on with other players on the team. Uh, they activated safety Jermaine Whitehead uh, from the practice squad uh, to move up to the 53-man roster uh, because they realized, you know, with They've had injuries in the secondary, you know, with with Morgan Burnett missing another game. Uh, And Jermaine Whitehead was actually out there. Um, He wasn't on the inactive list. He actually played mostly on special teams. Uh, But he he was out there and and did fine on special teams to my eye. Um, But so, yeah, that that took Aaron Rodgers' spot on the roster. Uh, and, And then speaking of Rodgers himself, This report from Adam Schefter of ESPN before the Packers game. Doctors believe Rodgers can begin throwing in six weeks. And and that basically lines up with, um, you know, him, when you're on injured reserve, you got to be out for eight weeks total. You can begin practicing in six. So if he can begin throwing, he gets two weeks of practice in in which he can't be activated, you know, so... Those two weeks, he can simply practice but not play, but that kind of gets him back into throwing shape a little bit. And he can return at the earliest, not to guarantee this is going to happen, but at the earliest, he can return week 15 uh, and still have three games remaining in the regular season uh, in which Rodgers could conceivably or potentially come back. Not that it's guaranteed by any means, so... If that's uh, uh, what you're hoping for, there you go. Um, And, um, yeah, we're moving on. The day ahead. You know, I'm not sure if it's because it's the bye now or what, but it seems like the Packers are wrapping up a little bit earlier than usual on a Monday. I, I assume, and I haven't heard this from Mike McCarthy or the coaching staff, but I assume the players will meet Monday to review the film and meet as a team one last time before getting some time off for the bye week. They usually give them like almost an entire week off, uh, today being a work day. But after that, uh, you know, wrapping things up and, and allowing their bodies to heal more than anything. It's such a brutal season for so many of them. Uh, but Mike McCarthy's press conference will take place at 1.45 p.m. Central Time on Monday, uh, usual day after game press conference. Followed by the coordinators at 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, these are all 
uh, streamed live at Packers.com, in which you can uh, check them out. And then it's it's talk show day. I, I mean, there's talk shows spaced throughout the week, but um, you know, just a few of them that I saw. Ty Montgomery will be on Clubhouse Live tonight. Uh, Dean Lowry on the fifth quarter on WTAQ. Brett Hundley on in it, at least it's his week. I'm not sure if this has changed since he's become the starting quarterback. Uh, it, it's his week to host in the huddle on the Woodward Radio Network. Uh, the Horse and Plow Huddle Show has rookie running back Aaron Jones on tonight. So, uh, and, and there's more others that you know I missed or, or just didn't see who's who's being the guest this week there. So, there you go. Uh, that's what's happening on a Monday, and and more than anything, I I, I am encouraged uh, by this Packers team uh, after the bye, in which I think they will be pretty darn healthy you know, going into the bye week or coming off the bye week, you know, uh, fingers crossed, Morgan Burnett will be back. Uh, Lane Taylor will be back. These guys who missed this last game and everybody out there who was playing at maybe less than 100%, like Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari, who've missed so much of the first half of the season, uh, probably less than 100%, but with two weeks off, they should be darn near it. Uh, getting ready to have guys come off IR, like uh, either Jason Spriggs or Don Barclay. Packers probably have have to choose between one of those guys, and they're getting near the time where that can happen here, finally, um, after the bye week. And, and, you know, just so many other guys. Joe Thomas has missed the majority of the first half of the season. All the guys have been playing less than 100%, like... Uh, Demarius Randall, like Kevin King, uh, just just so many, so many players um, that that I think they'll they're, they'll be in as good shape a, as they've been in a long time. Ahmad Brooks, who's been out for a couple weeks now with the back injury, I, I made the comment on Twitter. I I can't wait for the point where Vince Beagle and Ahmad Brooks are spelling you know, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry instead of Kyler Fackrell. Uh, Kyler Fackrell just doesn't have it. And hopefully those guys provide a little bit more juice, a little bit more push. Um, Obviously, you don't want them playing a ton. You want Clay Matthews and Nick Perry out on the field as much as possible, but they do need to be rotated in and out occasionally to stay fresh. You saw that from, from Clay Matthews, which he was off the field and in the second half and all of a sudden came on in the next play. He made a play in the backfield, made a tackle for a loss, which was really nice. Um, and that's why they do it. That's why they rotate him. And hopefully when, when he's off the field, a guy like Ahmad Brooks can be out there making more of a presence. So that'll be a good thing for the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I'm looking forward to um, going forward. Heck, Corey Lindsley uh, was a late addition to the to the injury report with an injured ankle and for him to even play this game, kudos to him. And um, yeah, for the most part played well, the the entire offensive line was such a breath of fresh air, how well they played. David Bakhtiari gave up a sack, but you know, you just didn't worry about that offensive line. Like you had been for weeks. So nice. So nice. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you everybody so much for joining us today, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll be back again in two days. Our usual Wednesday conversation 
with Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com coming up two days from now. Uh, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Carey. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. I leave you today with a song called Rockets by the infamous String Dusters on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Close to